You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Umbody. Shay Dixon is along in a second, but we've got a lot to get to today. LSU is allegedly going to open fall camp on Monday and get the official start to practice underway as they're just over a month away to playing their first college football game of the year, September 26th. Uh, and look, we've got a lot to get to. We want to break down fall camp and a lot of our burning questions for this team, the position battles we're watching, who could emerge for the Tigers as they get ready to defend their national championship. Uh, and, and however that goes, We'll see. But look, there's a lot to get to. And this is honestly one of the fun times of the year, even with all the uncertainty, the start of college football season and these position battles. And Shay, I think I want to start with offense because how how do you how do you try to replicate what they did last year? It's just probably impossible, but uh, they do have to rebuild some of this offense. And number one, I think you have to start at the offensive line because Miles Brennan's been around been around for a while he's been watching everybody knows that a lot of this is on his shoulders but you've also got to replace for the five starters on the offensive line and they do have some experience to do that but I think that's probably the x factor outside of Miles Brennan for this offense oh a million percent and mine it's so tied into Miles Brennan as well um and look I think we know this James Craig is the O-line coach now and He's, he's proven himself in my mind. And we're talking about guys who won a Super Bowl and now a national championship uh, as a coach. But that first year he was here, he had like in the first five or six games, had like five or had a different O-line combo every game. And that was dealing with guys who were banged up or guys who were um, serving like a one-game suspension or whatever it might be. And he made do. And they won double-digit games. And um, then last year for them to win the Joe Moore Award, um, without an offensive lineman who was a first or a second round draft pick, I believe D. Lou and Cush were both third rounders. Um, but point being, this was, uh, and I guess Sadiq Charles got drafted pretty high, but it wasn't like they had a couple of, of you know, no doubt first round guys that um, sort of made everything go. And it was really beyond Joe Burrow bailing them out of, of some tough spots. It was a great showing. Uh, for the offensive line, and they took home the Joe Moore Award as the best in college football. I guess my point in saying it is that, yes, they lost all those offensive linemen. Really, the only starter they bring back is Deculus. Now, I think the the silver lining here, beyond knowing that they've got Craig, a coach who has had to work with a whole lot of different pieces in year one and found stability in year two and now has to replace some guys in year three, I think, A, the silver lining is that he has a good feel for who the starting five is. B, that starting five, while yes, four of them are quote-unquote new starters, almost all of them have been starters in college football before. Uh, And Dare Rosenthal, their left tackle, started in three or four games last year when Sadiq Charles uh, was serving time, um, you know, for a violation of team rules and missing games. Uh, So he's played against some elite competition, and and he'll be protecting Brennan's blind side. Then you've got at both guard spots, Ed Ingram and, and what we presume now will be Chase and Hines. Both those guys have starts. Hines was playing against Georgia as a starter, as a freshman. Ingram was a full-time starter as a freshman. 
uh, missed a year and then came back last year. And as soon as he got back, he was playing in every game and had Adrian McGee not stepped up in the way he did, Ingram would have been a full-time starter. So just with your two guards and your new tackle, you've got guys that have played. And then your center, who I think is really the storyline of the offseason, is they go to Harvard, they get a grad transfer in Liam Shanahan. He's not some, you know, guy that – he's not a Jabril Cox. I mean, Jabril Cox was thought of by some as a top 100 NFL draft prospect. He left North Dakota State to come to LSU as a linebacker because his eligibility was up there. He had one final year of eligibility in college. He wanted to use it on an even bigger stage, and he had won multiple national championships. He passed up a chance at the NFL draft. For Liam Shanahan, after Harvard, that was going to be it. And he said, look, I want to play another year of ball. I could maybe get to the pros. I can at least get some looks. But I need to go to somewhere like LSU. And he did. And now, just this week on T-Bob and Jordy's show on ESPN 104.5 here in town, Billy, he was saying, Orgeron was saying, Shanahan is like a breath of fresh air. And I'll paraphrase, but basically said with how smart he is and his ability to make all the calls and the checks that it gives them a, a really good feeling that they found a fifth offensive lineman to be a starter, uh, but B, that that connection between he and Miles Brennan, or at least that comfortable um, feeling that certainly Burrow had with Cushenberry, who is very smart and is now going to be starting for, most likely starting for the Broncos as a rookie center in the NFL. A center can mean so much to you as a quarterback, and it seems that they have some faith right now in Shanahan after spending a few months around him that hey, look, this kid's got it upstairs. He can do it. And, and now they put him onto at least the practice field and walkthroughs and, and maybe more importantly, the weight room. And probably in a few months have reshaped his body a bit to where how they're talking about him now is way more confident than how they talked about him when they signed him. Yeah, and I, I think you covered it very, very well. I think one player for me that I'm really excited to see in in – what I think is his natural position is Chase on Heinz. And he, he really uh, emerged that as a true freshman, you know, stepping in at Auburn, stepping in against Georgia and holding his own. He's a strong East Texas kid. Uh, and, and really there was some thought that, you know, he could be that center position as well. Uh, but instead it looks like he's going to end up being that right guard spot. And it makes sense. And, and as much as Anthony Bradford, was talked up in this offseason and and Cardell Thomas is recovering from his injury and working his way back and 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 seems to be looking good according to Ed Ogeron. It it makes sense for Chase on Hines to step in at that right guard spot. And and he's a junior. He can play that spot and he's been around and he's played in some really big games and on some big stages. And I think with I mean Liam Shanahan's played a lot of college football, but with a first year starter at center having that gap or having that bridge between Liam Shanahan to Austin to Chase on Hines to Austin Deculus will really help this offensive line. And then on the other side of things, Dare Rosenthal played a lot at left tackle it was Sadiq Charles dealing with his issues. And then at Ingram at left guard, he played a ton as a true freshman. And of course, like we, we know, you know, dealt with his issues and, and then returned to play some last year, this offensive line, I don't think is as inexperienced or, I wouldn't say a concern because I think with so many new starters, it's a concern kind of like it was last year in the sense that people didn't know what they would be getting from the offensive line that let's face it, they had to max protect uh, in Joe Burrow's first year as a starter. And they really couldn't open it up until late in the season when they felt like they had gotten through the teeth of the season. 
This year, they do have that experience to kind of lean on. Now it's about meshing and coming together because you do have four new guys uh, and five guys overall that really haven't played a ton of football together in whatever uh, you know lineup they're going to be in. Yeah, I think it, then fall camp, right, becomes all the more important. And all these times, these, even these walkthrough periods, which I think he's called, or Sean calls it like football school, um, but stuff they do right now long before you're in pads and, and really when you're playing this waiting game on when does fall camp begin, uh, I think that that's big because you can at least put the, the offensive linemen together and at least start to work on their steps and, and everything else that uh, comes with all the calls. And uh, I think that ultimately, even with a delayed season, that's just going to help them out more. Um, moving to September 26 gives them an extra month to sort of get acclimated. And um, look, we'll, certainly we'll have spent the most time talking to line because that's the biggest question mark for LSU. And I think people will chuckle at that um, saying, well, they lost Joe Burrow and, and all these other things. Um, but one thing they didn't lose any of uh, beyond, oh yeah, then first round draft pick, number 32, Clyde Edwards Elair. People feel, I get the feeling reading our board, people feel like, that's the position LSU is loaded at. And they lost a first-round draft pick, yeah, but what is your take on, A, the three guys coming back in Curry, Davis, Price, and Emery, and B, this sort of off-season buzz right now behind Trey Bradford, who's their freshman, their true freshman they signed, their only running back they brought in, as maybe being one of the fastest guys on the team. Boy, if you're going to lose, a, I can't remember a time. LSU lost a running back to the caliber of Edwards Elair and as good as they recruit that you come back that next year and you've got a crop like this and none of them are draft eligible. Yeah, I one uh, the TikTok and we'll have to post this on the go 24 seven board right before right below this podcast so people know what I'm talking about. But the TikTok you sent us in our group chat with Sonny Ship uh, of, of all the running backs that have come through LSU and tried to you know, lead them to a national championship as of late, the Leonard Fournette's, the uh, Darius Geises and everything. And they're all walking through the door. And and then it's Clyde Edwards Elair. And the guy's like clearly walking on his knees. And he's like, okay, I got it. Um, it was, was quite, yes. funny. quite funny. All we'll five, eight of them. Yeah, we'll have to post that one for the board. But to your initial question, I think, like you said, this position, the running back position for LSU is in a really, really good spot going into this year. And I think the competition and Kevin Falk, running backs coach has talked a lot about this. He really doesn't have to push this group of players to compete and bring it every day because they're also competitive. And Ed Ogeron has praised Chris Curry for the way he works in the weight room and in the film room and all of those things. Then you've got the guys that are a year behind him in uh, John Emery and Ty Davis Price. And then the true freshman, Cavantre Bradford, who really comes from a program that preaches work ethic and they always produce you know, FBS talent and Lancaster in Texas, this is a group that you could ride the hot hand with. You don't necessarily have to have a, a true starter out of this group. And I think that's going to help this group, one, stay healthy during the year and, and not necessarily take a beating. But two, they're going to be able to mix things up. I think we're going to see some different personnel groupings. I think Scott Linehan's going to get his hands on that a little bit. At Ogeron's talked about the wide receiver spot, rotating some more guys in. I think you're going to see that from the running back group. And I don't have a, a worry about any of these guys stepping into a game and producing. Between John Emery, his explosiveness, Ty Davis-Price, his, his combination of size and speed, Chris Curry's physicality, and Cavantre Bradford's just top-end speed, this is a group that 
really gives a lot of defensive coordinators some some issues to prepare for all four of them. And I know Cavantre Bradford hasn't entered a college football game yet, but running back is one of those positions where I feel like you can have sat behind a player or been a backup or be a true freshman and enter college football and produce. So I think running back is a position that I feel great about. As far as who ends up being the starter, I think it's probably going to be Chris Curry. We'll have to monitor it, it, of course, through fall camp and into the season. But he seems to be the one that's been talked up the most just because he emerged against Oklahoma when Clyde Edwards-Elair was down. And then he seems like he's been the one uh, at, at the, the the most talked up, it seems like, this offseason. And he's poised to do things, big things. I, I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. So running back, feel great about for LSU. Uh, very similar wide receiver. No issues uh, with this group on on my end. Yeah, and you think about when coaches lie all the time and they're like, oh, we don't have any starters and uh, everyone's going to earn it in camp. And that's like never true. I'd say that's true for running back, but I don't even think it matters because I think that you call it hot hand you call, and it probably will be a shared room. But I think it just is determined on after a few games and when they get going, it'll be like that two years ago when it was Brissett and Edward Zeller and, um, and they had a couple of other options in the backfield. You just kind of feel out everybody and, and you ride. Uh, one or you know two guys maybe uh, more than the others and it surprises me you say Curry but also doesn't because I think I could just as easily convince myself that most people think Emory because he was five-star number one running back and he's got this immense talent or I could and my choice of at least if I have to predict and and I don't know one from the other of who it really is going to be but would be Davis Price, which out of the three was the guy they used the most last year. And, and then obviously, as as you picked with Curry, when they didn't have Edwards Elair, that was the guy they turned to. So I don't – now with a new running backs coach and Kevin Falk, I think any of our guesses is as good as the, other, as the other, and I don't think it matters at all because I think after a few games, one of those guys is going to get hot and they'll ride him. Yeah, and Kevin Falk, I mean, played in a backfield that – saw rotation. I mean, he wasn't necessarily, he played for Super Bowl teams in the New England Patriots that really, it, it feels like there was kind of a, a a different back that was next to Tom Brady for a lot of those. So uh, he's seen that and he sees how keeping guys fresh can really help. And uh, while Edward, Clyde Edwards-Alaire shouldered the load last year, I, I agree. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case potentially this year, but we'll find out. And another spot that, like we said, we feel good about wide receiver, You've got Jamar Chase. You've got Terrace Marshall. Now you've got a, a third wide receiver spot in that slot, and and Jamar Chase can certainly play there a little bit too. But that's up for grabs. You've got Kayshawn Butte. You've got Trey Palmer. You've got Racy McMath. Uh, you've got I mean, gosh, even Ed Ogeron's brought up John Trey Kirkland and and, and Coy Moore and 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 Alex Adams. So I mean, it, it's absolutely loaded at wide receiver this year. Once again, the the third wide receiver spot. I'm not too worried about I think there's enough explosiveness at that position and and the cream will rise to the top but you've got a veteran in race McMath and you've got some young talent pushing there I think whoever comes out on top will be in really good shape there yeah and Mickey Joseph talks up Dre Jenkins a good bit and did last year too so they've got options galore I'm with you and probably thinking that Racy is your third receiver and he's earned it I mean he sure he's a vet he's also a beast and he you know, physically brings something to the table that while Terrace Marshall's a big guy, certainly tall, and Jamar is certainly filled out, Racy's a bit of both. Um, so I think he's that third guy I'm super interested interested 
uh, to see how much other uh, how much more other guys get involved. And, and we know Eric Gilbert's going to be a monster at tight end. He'll be involved in the passing game heavily. Um, but from that group of Coy Moore and Kayshawn and Trey Palmer and and certainly Jeray and John Trey, some guys who are um, who are older or certainly um, you know not freshmen. Uh, that group's going to be interesting to watch. It's it's options galore. That probably uh, beyond running back and maybe equal to running back, I have zero worry about what their wide receivers and tight ends will be up to this year. And LSU's really, I think, final position battle. We're not going to talk about it because. We, we really haven't seen him. We really don't know who could end up with this job, but uh, backup quarterback will be interesting. Max Johnson, TJ Finley with Peter Parrish out of the room. Whoever ends up winning that job will be critical. You're one, one snap away from being the starter and one snap away uh, from the backup being the starter. So uh, we'll see how that one rolls out, but we do want to talk a lot of defense as well, and we'll do that on the other side of this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. But first, I want to remind you guys that we're – having a 50% off annual subscriptions deal right now to go 24-7, celebrating 10 years of 24-7 sports, uh, of being in the business. So it's a big deal. We wanted to reward uh, some of our monthly subscribers. If you subscribe monthly, you can upgrade to an annual for 50% off. So it's really good deal on that front. So we encourage you guys to check that out, even with all the question marks around college football right now. We've had a lot of people signing up. So encourage you guys to do that. But for now, we're going to take this quick break, and we'll talk a lot of defense and our burning questions on that side of the ball uh, after this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Now, we move into the defensive side of the ball, which uh, did lose a lot of talent as well. But as we've kind of learned this offseason, as they move to the 4-3 defense, they've created some depth at some positions, but there's probably as much competition on this side of the ball as uh, anywhere on the team because there's really a, a lot of guys that have been around a while that are ready to break through. And one position that I think with the move to the 4-3 and no spring ball that we haven't seen a lot of, Shay, and, and we really don't know who might be where when it all comes down to it, is, is the linebacker room. They added Jabril Cox. They have some veterans back in that room. Ray Thornton's playing linebacker now. They moved Devonta Lee over there. Uh, they've got Philip Webb, who was a linebacker, of course, uh, but is really kind of playing defensive end. And then they have Micah Baskerville, Damone Clark, Antoine Sampa and Josh White, all who have been talked up at least 
in that middle linebacker or outside linebacker spot. So I think linebacker is probably the most interesting position for me. There's more formal position battles where we can we will break down, you know, where the pecking order is. But where all those guys play in this defense is going to be really interesting to me. Yeah, I think the same about the D line. But I'm curious with Polini, uh, with Bo Polini coming in and replacing Dave Aranda. The defense is certainly they're moving from a base three four to a four three, and, and certainly there'll be multiple. But I think we'll see them certainly being blitzing a lot more, disguising their blitzes a lot more, um, doing a, being a lot more of an aggressive defense um, than one that would be considered reactive or or whatever else you kind of labeled Aranda as. Who they were always very good defenses and great defenses at times. We just saw Orgeron say, "I want more of a natural." pass rush and uh because of that with four down linemen uh it makes me wonder yeah sure and we'll talk about it in a second what all do linemen will play but what linebackers do you like out there and where do you like them as you noted we know Jabril Cox is going to play they brought him in from North Dakota State for a reason he's been a what three-year starter three national championships has produced at a high level in terms of his stat output um he can play and you know Damone Clark can play and I think he for me, Damone Clark is that next guy. If you're talking about the Devin Whites and the Patrick Queens, I'm on Damone Clark, and, and I think a lot of people are. He would be the popular pick to be the next great kind of LSU linebacker. But knowing that Jacoby Stevens is going to play some safety, kind of who do who else do you like in there? Who else is going to be on the field and where? Um, you've seen guys like Ray Thornton playing outside linebacker before, but did they become hand-in-the-dirt guys? Uh, we know that beyond Damone Clark, there's always been Mike like a Baskerville, he's a guy that I bet would end up playing some after having a good amount of run on special teams. Um, but uh, we saw who Devonta Lee moved from receiver to linebacker. They brought in Antoine Sampa and Josh White, two four-star signees. And, and Billy, you've always been high on Josh White. I have been as well. I think he's one who is physically ready to play and he's smart enough to know the calls. Uh, and that's about you know trust. And, and if you're going to play as a freshman, certainly on the defense and not special teams. Uh, trust becomes paramount, and, and I think a guy like that can get his head in the playbook and and find his way onto the field. But for me, it'll all start and stop with what Damone Clark can do. Yeah, I'm with you as well. And if he steps up like the coaches think he can, then you're going to see even even more from Jabril Cox. I think both those guys really complement each other well in terms of what they'll be able to do in the defense, the potential of freedom that they'll have. Uh, with this team uh, on the defensive side of the ball and it'll make Bo Pelini's job so much easier if he has two linebackers out there that he can really trust and look LSU plays a lot of nickel so I do think you know you might see that you know, third linebacker come off the field at times and and we'll get into that in a little bit but it, it's a it's a situation where if you have Damone Clark and Jabril Cox as your linebackers out there that uh, you know are your base linebackers and also the guys that are out there in nickel that's pretty that's pretty salty right there and I mean Jabril Cox has a chance to really make his way into that first round of the NFL draft uh, that's how highly some people think of him and both him and Damone Clark have uh, been been really talked up all offseason and so it, it is a, a a room where I think it's a little deeper than people think and it's kind of like the defensive end spot which also has a lot of depth but a lot of competition Yeah. Uh, is there, I mean, what name, what name number one, let's say this, give me two names that you think will be the two best players there next year, this year. At defensive end? 
Well, on the, on the defensive line in general. I will go with Tyler Shelvin. I think that's a relatively safe, easy pick, especially now with Neil, Neil Farrell, our, our boy, oops, oops, I'm so paid, uh, opting out of the, the season for COVID concerns. And then I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with a little bit of a, a stretch just because he's a true freshman, but man, he looks the part as BJ Ojolari. I think he's going to be a star. I think he has a chance to be what Caleb on chase on really could have been if he was a little bit bigger as a true freshman, or maybe even just in a four, three with his hand in the dirt and go get the quarterback. So I guess my point being when you get beyond that, and even certainly Shelvin, we know is a starter. But then you can even pick you. I mean, you go right for a wild card. There could be a lot of wild card type players. Whether you're saying Ojolari, Justin Thomas, who we've heard talked up a ton, and we've seen him in spots. But Orgeron loves him. T.K. McClendon moves from a JUCO tight end to someone that they said looks like one of their better pass rushers as a D end. Andre Anthony is a senior now. This is even more so than linebacker for me. And, and boy, like shout out Jarrell Cherry's playing D-end. We know that uh, Philip Webb is going to play some D-end as a, as a true freshman this year. I can't figure this group out. I know who their D-tackles are. They're Apu Ika and Shelvin, and you can move Glenn Logan in there, and you've got Jacoby and Guillory um, coming in as a true freshman. But they've got options galore at D-end, and that's great. Um, and toss in Jaquel and Roy, toss in guys that they just signed. I, I can't tell you who I would bet on being the starters and being midseason your best players. And, and look, a year ago, Neil Farrell, after like five or six games, was their most productive at end. I think we could be in for something like that again to where it's probably someone we're not even hinging all of our hopes on right now. And, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and if there's one position that's going to have enough attention and, and enough competition to really – Again, and we kind of talked about this with 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 the linebackers. You know, it all kind of rises to the top. And we talked about with the wide receivers and the running backs. It's defensive line. You've got Ed Ogeron, who's a defensive line guy. You've got Bill Johnson, who's who did a terrific job last year with that group. I thought they really emerged. I think more than anything. I mean, to get Tyler Shelvin ready to go, to see Neil Farrell uh, move into that to that really high level contributing uh, role. Justin Thomas before he left the team. He was playing really well. He was in their cheetah package as a pass rusher. And then you add, you add in Christian Locketeur working with that group as a, as a graduate assistant too. So they have a lot of attention. They have a lot of opportunities to get better, to compete. And I think that's only going to benefit them. And uh, look, I mean, I, like we said before we started getting into the defense, I think this whole group has a chance to really, really compete at a high level. You've got your go-to guys like Jacoby Stevens, like Derek Stingley, and, and a couple others. Uh, but there's also a ton of competition. I think you, the, the starting 11 for the defense at the beginning of the year could look very different uh, from the end of the year. And, and that other cornerback spot uh, opposite of Derek Stingley is just another example of that too. I'm wondering if we're not currently sleeping on how good Cordell Flott is. And I think a lot of people are – already high on him from playing as a true freshman a year ago, from being able to say, oh, look, LSU's got another guy that's going to get overshadowed by Derek Stingley, who's a, a once-in-a-generational type defensive back and corner. But Cordell Flott came into that class in a deep corner class uh, and really shined right away. We know Stingley is the ultimate lock to start um, on the defense or on the entire team. I mean, he's, got a, he's got his spot, and Jamar Chase has got his spot. 
pretty locked in and Miles Brennan guys like that. But then you look at the other spots and I'm wondering at defensive back with Edwards run propping up flat so much. And you saw him as a boundary corner a year ago, but Edwards run even said over the summer, I think I could see Cordell Flott playing 60, 70% of his snaps uh, throughout a game in the nickel. Uh, and we'll see how Pelini wants to use him in the defensive backfield. But if that's the case, the door swings wide open, right? For whether it is Jay Ward, whether it's Radarius Jones, or do you go to a guy, Billy, like Eli Ricks, who, yes, he's a true freshman, but Flott and Stingley played as true freshman a year ago, and LSU didn't lose a game. And I'm not saying Ricks is, um, is a Stingley or even will be as good as Flott was a year ago, but there seems to be some confidence, or at least there seems to not be a lot of hesitation at putting him out there. I won't be surprised at all if in their search to get Flott into the nickel, if it's not uh, Stingley and Ricks playing opposite each other at corner. Yeah, and I think Cordell Flott reminds me of Greedy Williams too. Just his frame, and 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 you know he's kind of thin coming into college, but uh, he he just has that that uh, fearlessness. I think in the Alabama game, kind of showed it a little bit when he got in there as well. And you know whether you put him at co- uh, corner or nickel, uh, wherever, I think he's going to play a lot. I think Eli Ricks is is somebody they're going to give a lot of burn and they're going to give him every opportunity to earn a starting job. And then will it be a, a Jay Ward or Ray Darius Jones and 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 one of those guys emerges? So I I think uh, that that corner room is is just such an interesting uh, spot to be. And uh, like like we said on much of this podcast, this whole defense uh, and and there's a lot of competition everywhere on this team right now. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. This is a fall camp that, uh, Shay, I think if we get a chance to get in there and and watch it, uh, we're going to have plenty to talk about, plenty to share, uh, and it's going to be one of the more competitive fall camps that, that we've been around for. Yeah, I'm not sure how much you're letting us in to watch, but uh, but hopefully they'll send out some video and and everything else. And, and look, I think people could say, uh, keep don't show us anything on fall camp. I don't care if that means – that you kick off on September 26th or at some point this fall. Uh, and certainly we'll be, look, we'll be tracking it. We've, that's what we've done. We've spent our days refreshing Twitter and checking our cell phones to see uh, both us working and everyone listening who's just a fan uh, trying to see what's up with the season. And, and we'll see how long uh, the SEC and the Big 12 and, and certainly the ACC uh, move forward with plans to play. But boy, it seems at the moment, Billy, and I'm just trying to bring the optimism to the show that uh, SEC with a month and, and really a month and a half till they play a, a postponed fall season is standing ten toes kind of firm in the ground. Very, very little surprise right there. I love uh, Greg Sankey's patience uh, and, and also the push from a lot of these schools to play. Uh, I've been talking about this with a lot of people. Just just keep going forward, and if it ultimately falls apart, it, it falls apart. But see how many games you can get in. Get this thing in. Uh, I think the spring season would be really tough to do on, on the players and all the guys who would opt out to get ready for the draft and all that stuff. Don't worry about that. Just keep pushing forward uh, and, and you know trying to get this season in. And we'll keep pushing forward. We'll keep talking about this season until they tell us not to anymore. Uh, and we're going to continue to do that on the Go 24-7 podcast, which you should listen to. And you should subscribe to and you should review and rate and also submit your questions on uh, wherever you review our podcast and and we'll get to them on a future episode. But with that, guys, we're going to wrap up this edition of the pod. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, It was a newsy week around the country. 
uh, and we like to put a little exclamation point on it with this edition of the pod. So hope everyone has a great weekend and uh, keep it locked on go247.com and the Go247 podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.